This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about Barbie, but more than that, we're going to be discussing four emails that we received. Uh, uh, the first two are super interesting, Doug, the, it, because they came in at the exact same time. They came in like minutes after each other, but the one guy is really making the case for He's an anti-fire guy, really making the case for his career. And the other guy is the exact opposite. He's in his 20s, and he doesn't want to work anymore at all. And then we have two more that are kind of interesting. One relates to you a little bit with quitting a job to side hustle a little bit. And the other one is about working part-time as a way of transitioning to fire. So I think these will be great. But before we get to that... Uh, Doug, I've been looking for stuff to watch. I just finished uh, some shows and I'm going to get to Breaking Bad, but I decided to do something a little bit lighter and I started watching Arrested Development again. I love that show. We've, I think we've gone through the first three seasons three or four times, like all the way through. Fantastic show. Oh, it's so good. And it makes me so sad because that was, I think it's probably my favorite show if I had to pick one thing that I could watch and nothing else. It would be that the first three seasons after that, I kind of fell off but oh it was so well, well written and so funny and every time you watch it it gets a little bit better i think but one thing i was thinking about is you dog and in the sound check if you listen to the end we talk about the barbie movie and the question i asked was if they made a, a ken doll for doug like a doug doll because there were other male dolls what would doug's doll look like and we talk a little bit about that in the sound check but there was one part in Arrested Development where the Tobias character, he called himself a never nude. He would never be completely naked. He would always have like jean shorts on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's um, it's a lifestyle, apparently. <laughs> yeah. It, it, dog, you may or may not be one. But I think if Mattel ever calls you to commission a Barbie doll, you would not have the bulge. You would just have – you would have permanent – jean shorts on when you take your pants on whatever pants you're wearing again listen for the sound check for doug's ken doll but you would be a never nude barbie maybe an arrested development mattel tie up there yeah i think um yeah i can i have pictures of me in denim shorts already so they're the cutoff shorts now for you what would your carl doll be I think it would be kind of a, it would be a trashy doll. Like I usually don't dress that nice. Uh, I think my shorts have stains on them. It would, I, I've got these trucker caps. They say DeKalb on them. I went to school in DeKalb, Illinois, and they had this weird logo with a piece of corn with wings on it. And I usually wear that hat, hat around. So it would be like, um, yeah, Trashy Carl, I think would be the name of it. It would probably <laughs> sell like four. It would kind of stink a little bit because I, I like to walk and sometimes I, uh, don't get around to a shower till later in the day. It would have scratch and sniff armpits. It would smell like B.O. And uh, yeah, what else? Probably I can't eat without spilling stuff on myself. Like the guy in airplane who had a drinking problem, he would spill his drink over the front. Problem, yeah. I have an eating problem. I miss, like I've literally missed my mouth putting food <laughs> in a, my mouth. And I like to wear white shirts and it gets all over the front of me. So there'd be some stains there. Um, yeah, I think that about sums it up. It'd 
It's a really great, great sounding doll. <laughs> Trashy Carl. Trashy Carl. Can we, we got to figure out how to get that kind of merch. You know, they have uh, like the red bubble. You can get t-shirts and stickers and hats and uh, tote, you know, things like that. I don't know if they have like dolls that you could design. Oh. We have to go to like Etsy or something to get like handmade it sounds like a voodoo doll or something now. <laughs> That's probably what they would be used for. Like, God, I hate this podcast. They'd chuck our doll against the wall. But Doug, this is a great idea. What about a pull string? Remember those dolls where you'd pull the string and they would say something like, mine would just fart. They'd pull the string in the towel and let gas go. What, what would your doll say or do when you pulled the string? Oh, I don't, I don't know how I could top that. I, but I, so I'm going to add on. Because <laughs> mine was just, it was a normal thing. It was just me, you know. Um, yours sounds more like a, a garbage pail kid style. Did you get those cards? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very collectible, apparently. But yeah, yours would be like, pull my finger. And then it would fart. And then I don't know what the other one would be. But um, yeah. Wow. How do we end up here? So I fast. I don't know. Yeah. This, uh, sometimes we go, we always go downhill, but sometimes quicker that yeah. past episodes. So if you're listening to the show for the first time, I'm Doug. <laughs> He's Carl. So we do have questions that came in. Thank you for sending them in. We want to do more mailbag episodes. They're, they're really fun to do. So you can send them in. You could send them to uh, Carl at milehifi.com or Doug. It goes to the same inbox, which we share. And then Carl does everything. And then we also have a Facebook group, which is kind of new. Do you want to talk about that for just for a second? Yeah, we started a Facebook, Facebook group. We had like, um, I was watching it. You, you have to be approved because we don't want spammers in there. But we had like 15 people join yesterday, just this whole flood of people. Mm. And if you're in the group, uh, you can ask other members a question. Sometimes we go on there and ask questions. Or if there's something you want us to talk about on the show or you want us to tackle a question, you could always ask it there as well. Our, our next mailbag episode is all from the Facebook group. So to get there, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash mile high fi. And we will put a link to that in the show notes. Okay. And I bet I could create like a a quick little link where it's like milehighfi.com slash something very short. So it'll roll right off the tongue and it'll redirect over there. So I could do that sometime and we'll take care of that. Yes. Cool. So should we get into the questions now? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Doug, why don't we just switch off reading these and I'll take the first one. And this one comes from Steve. So Steve says, I enjoy listening to you guys, but you don't seem to get the perspective of being a star in the corporate world. I know you had good careers, but if you had been a corporate Tom Brady, and some of us were, including Steve, you probably would not have wanted to retire super early because it's fun being one of the best. There's a lot of purpose in that kind of career. Let's see. He goes on to say, there's plenty of time for family, hobbies, volunteering, and work. You tend to set up corporate careers in a straw man fashion. Ooh. And some are truly that pointless and awful, but not all of them. Not mine. Some of my biggest wins were at work. I wouldn't trade them for anything. And still, I was able to have a great marriage. Just celebrated my 45th anniversary. Nice work, Steve. He, I, he raised three great kids and he retired slightly early. I would not change anything about my life or my 38-year career. Wow, that's a long time. I do appreciate hearing different perspectives on life. Thanks for what you do. Wow, Doug, there's a lot to unpack there. What do you think? Yeah, so... Steve, thank you for sending this in and for pointing out the 
maybe flaw in the way that we talk about corporate careers. That said, I think um, just like Tom Brady, which did you get the the football star analogy? You know, Tom Brady? Yep. Yeah, we're not sports people here, but we understand what you mean. There's so few people that are in your situation that it's very easy just to f- forget about it. So I um, definitely wasn't in this spot. So that's per- perceptive of you in the, uh, the contempt that I talk about my corporate career. Uh, yeah, you saw right through it. So yeah, initially I was, I was a little bit defensive, but I'm like, Hey, I understand. Yeah. We're not, we're not uh, really addressing this person very much at all. So what were your thoughts initially? Yeah, I had two thoughts. My first one was what career would be so good that it would make me think more like Steve and less like I, I normally do. And I can see having a career like that. Maybe if you were doing something really important, like had a big mission, like maybe like Tesla, you're trying to electrify the world. And on top of that, you're doing really, really cool work for that company. Because a lot of people, like I was a coder, but I never coded for anything. Like I actually enjoyed it. It was like for stores and stuff like that. Stuff I did not really care about. So if you're, if everything about your work is amazing, like, like that's super great. There's one thing I was thinking about with Steve and my own life. If I didn't have kids, like this might actually be a thing, but, and I know you don't have kids, so I'm curious to hear what you think about this thought, but man, with kids, it's really difficult because you go to work and then you come home and there's kids. So now, then you got to pay attention to them and you don't really have any time for yourself. And then you get activities and you're driving them around and you're actually taking time out of work to do that. Then you got to make up the time. So maybe if I didn't have kids and I had the best thing in the world, I would consider doing it. But I don't think ever with kids, because no matter how great your job is, it's still going to take time out of your life. And, uh, and I just needed my time to do other things just to keep my life going and chugging along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't, you know, personally, I can't think of a career that great other than what I'm doing currently, which is not very, and it goes back to the time point that you're making here. I think maybe for me, like three days a week is kind of ideal. Maybe some days I work up to six hours, but usually it's not that much. And that's great for me because there's free time to do other things. I don't have kids, like you said, so I have really a lot of flexibility and freedom. But yeah, I, I have a hard time imagining a corporate job where you do have that much flexibility and time. Here we are again, setting it up as a straw man, right? Um, but it just happens to be the industries that we worked in. Like I, the other thing, the other thing here is it's very rare. So just kind of by definition, it's probably 10% or less of the population is like in the superstar category. Maybe it's only 1% at some companies, but it's super rare and it's really hard to do. And the, the thing is, at least in my consulting industry, we would get even the you know medium performers we would be promised all sorts of great things raises bonuses you work really hard and then you end up not getting that stuff and it was probably the same promises that they made to the superstars that actually got it so i could understand like if you're performing well it's a good match for your personality you're happy 
why would you leave it if you're happy? So I think for me, it's more of a, are you happy with this job? And it could be like a, you know, you were talking like working for uh, Tesla for like a bigger mission. I, I mean, I think probably like most engineering uh, focused companies, they probably work the engineers to death, right? Like they probably work really hard. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially for a Tesla, you're going to be sleeping on the factory floor at times. Yeah. Yeah. Elon's going to come in, start yelling at you or something like that. I mean, those companies probably, I I would be terrible there, even if it was for a great mission that I believe in, because it's just, it's too much work. So overall, I think, yeah, my, my contempt for the corporate, corporate uh, job, I can't get past it. So, but Steve, again, you do have a valid point and it's awesome I think we don't talk about it much because if you actually, you're like, I wouldn't change anything about my life for 38 year career. You have it figured out. You don't need us to help you navigate. Like you you figured it out. You figured out the right balance for work and spend spending time with your family and hobbies and all that stuff. And I think maybe that's why we omit it because if you're a superstar at work, then you probably don't, you don't need the advice there. Yeah. Uh, one other point I want to make, I was talking to a friend a couple of years ago about the Hellfire thing and he wasn't a fan and he said, well, I really love my job. So there's no point in, in saving a lot of money or doing any, any of that stuff. Kind of like Steve, maybe, but, uh, the issue I have with that mentality is maybe it's an excuse, maybe not, but there might be a time when your job doesn't love you. And I don't know how much of Steve's happiness was tied in to the specific company he worked for, but I think some of it is there, like, no, but you could be the greatest engineer in the world, but you got to find a culture that fits you. So no matter how great your job is, don't use it as an excuse to not save money. Uh, save money so you have a backup plan, so you have an option if something goes crazy. And Steve had a great life, but there might be some who weren't so fortunate that maybe, uh, I know, people who have children with issues or parents that they have to take care of and uh if you've if you're financially independent, then you've got the luxury to maybe take time off your job or leave for a little while, step aside to tend to those other things in life. Uh, so save your money no matter how great your job is. One more layer on top, and then we'll move on to the next question. I have some friends that are entrepreneurs, and even if you don't work for a company, you can still use your job as an excuse. You're like, oh, I really love it. Yeah, because you're you're good at it. So you're going to keep doing the thing that you're good at. And there's always an opportunity cost. You may be doing the the best thing or the right thing for you to do in your life and the timeframes and all that stuff, which is cool. But sometimes, I mean, I, I have seen it and I know some people just keep working a lot more especially entrepreneurs that are very good at the specific thing they're doing to avoid dealing with uncomfortable things that they don't want to deal with. And it's very, you know, they're doing a good job. They enjoy it. It makes them happy and they make money at it. So it's really easy to just keep at it sort of indefinitely when they really should spend time somewhere else. Yeah. Change is difficult. I was just talking to someone about this yesterday too. Uh, Maybe it'll be a topic for another show, but this guy, he came at fire from the perspective that he didn't know about it until he heard uh, Mindy and me on Ramit and he's got like single tons of money saved up. And he's like, wow, there's this fire thing that I never knew about. And, and this guy is in a 
crazy financial position where he could leave, but he can't, or he hasn't been able to so far. Wow. Wow. He, he was listening to Ramit's show and never ran across the fire community until y'all's episode. Yeah, I guess so. Ramit kind of, he said he doesn't like fire that much because we deprive ourselves. So we just found out about it. So it's kind of cool seeing this guy. He's like in his mid forties, like, um, over $5 million, uh, 300, like a mortgage under $500,000 and no family. So, I mean, this guy and, and no family, yeah, no family. And he, Man. And, he, and he loves to ski. I'm like, dude, just, um, and he doesn't like his job. That was the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. But man, that's crazy. Yeah. What's well, cool. You saved that much. I know. Right. All right. Let's hear from Ryan. I'm a bit, at, I'm at a bit of a crossroads. I'm 27 year old. All right. Let's try again. Man, you did so good, Carl. Did you read these earlier? Have you been practicing reading out loud? I did voice coach and the whole bit. I'm at a bit of a crossroads. I'm 27 years old and I haven't worked for eight months. Instead of working, I've spent my time skiing and backpacking around Europe. It's the greatest thing I've ever done, but I have spent most of my cash on my journey. It's time for a job. And he's going to give some more details here. My question is, should I continue a Thoreau-esque lifestyle and work just enough to keep skiing and traveling, like part-time and travel-related work, or should I return to the corporate world and get back on the grind towards, quote, true financial independence? So we have uh, some bullet points here that we'll run through. So... Ryan still has enough cash to stay afloat for a few months. He has 10K in the market. He has 100K equity in a single family home that is cash flowing with long-term tenants. He has a few years of experience as a financial analyst in the corporate world. And he's been able to save 30 to 40K per year when he's working. And he expects that he should be able to do it in the future. He does love skiing. And he says he'll never take a season off. So either he's working remotely or working at the resort or not working during the ski season. And it's non-negotiable. Ryan fucking loves skiing. All right. His bucket list includes backpacking around Southeast Asia and Latin America. And he's completely passionate about that. And he finally is saying, when will I have the opportunity to do this again? He has no housing cost, no auto cost, no girlfriend, no dog. So here's the question. So how do I solve the optimization problem? On one hand, I want to look out for my future self. But on the other hand, I feel like I have the rest of my life to work in the corporate world again. If I don't get a higher paying corporate job, I could probably work some part-time gig in this, until ski season and then work at the resort in the Rockies potentially. So uh, that season would be followed with another big backpacking trip and then he would be facing the same decision next year. Really awesome. 27 years old. He's traveling around having a blast. So Carl... What do you think? Yeah. So there's three things that really stand out and I'm going to reread them. So he said he spent his time skiing and backpacking around Europe. And he said, it was the greatest thing I've ever done. The greatest thing he's ever done. And then he said, I love skiing so much that I will never take a season off. And then he said, I feel that I have the rest of my life to work in corporate America again. So he's doing now what we save up our money to do. He's found his passion and his love in life. And, uh, 
my advice would be if this is so important to you and you love it this much, you'll be able to find a way to continue doing this. So continue doing it. Yep. I, I largely agree. You know, there's one portion of me that it, I look at what you and I did, which was kind of similar, right? We, we worked, we saved pretty well. We made a couple mistakes along the way as we were learning through our twenties and thirties, but largely like we saved a lot early on. So the compound interest kicked in really well in our late thirties, really after what, 10, 12 years of compounding and very powerful to, to do that when you're still in your twenties. However, you're exactly right, Carl. He's just like, he's doing what people are, are trying to do and he's kind of figured it out. So my opposing sort of idea, he says he has no housing costs, no car, no girlfriend, no dog. So my question is how important is, I'll put in air quotes in a general sense for like settling down. So maybe he does want to have like a home base sometime in the future. Maybe he doesn't know when that'll be. Maybe he's like, I don't want to have a home base. Um, maybe he doesn't want to be in a relationship or have a pet or whatever, but maybe he does in the future. So I would kind of look at that too. And, you know, maybe every year think about it. If you're a skier and you're hanging out in the Rockies and you're not traveling too much, you can have a dog, right? Um, if you're going backpacking every year for, um, several months at a time, maybe you don't, you're not going to be able to take care of a dog. You're going to have to get like, um, a pet sitter or something like that. So I would look at a couple of those pieces. The other little observation is he only has 10 K in the market and I would feel a little more comfortable if he put more in. And I think, I mean, reading between all, all the lines here, I think he might be able to work remotely at a, you know, ski resort in the mountains, wherever he's backpacking, whatever, maybe pick up like three to six month contracts and work part of the year, stay kind of relevant in the corporate world, make a lot more money than you could at a part-time thing. Maybe you don't do it every year, but maybe every few years you're like, all right, I need to make some real money. And you have the geo arbitrage going on. And then it gives you a little more leeway, especially having more money in the market to compound over time. So a little bit scattered, largely I like what he's doing. And I think, yeah, travel around, have a blast. Yeah. I've, I've got a couple more comments. I think I would guess that he is going to get burned out on this lifestyle eventually. And maybe some external factor will change it. Maybe he'll meet a partner on the chairlift and eventually want to move on from this lifestyle. And when he does, there was something Diana from economy said, we saw her speak at a recent camp five. She's like, you shouldn't rely on your money. Your strengths are your community, your resource, your resourcefulness, your intelligence, so I would say when Ryan does get burned out from this lifestyle, he'll be able to figure some shit out. I once knew some guy who was 40 who was going to medical school. He quit his job, went back to school for a couple of years to study to take the MCAT and, and went to medical school. And I think if you have confidence in yourself and a little bit of resourcefulness, you can do stuff like that and pivot and be okay and change up your life. And I think 
I think he'll be able to do that. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is I think he should brainstorm ideas like how could he make some money while doing what he loves. Like could he have a YouTube channel where he takes a GoPro and when he backpacks, he's got a blog or a YouTube channel. Here's my best, here's my El Camino experience and here are my recommendations for where to stay. And then you get some kind of affiliate revenue or something like that. But why not try to do what you love, but then put a tiny bit of work to it on the side and make some money. Because if you're this passionate about it, you've got a, you're going to be able to have some good information and things to pass along to other people. And I'd be curious to see how he could leverage doing something like that. Great, great point. Yeah. So again, it's one of those deals where like he figured out how to do this without um, whatever working for 25 years. And then he's like, okay, now I can do it. He's in his twenties, his body's in uh, great shape, you know? So now's the time. Yeah. Ryan, next time you're in Colorado, uh, look us up. I'd love to talk to you more about this. Uh, Maybe you'll even want to be on the show. That'd be pretty neat to hear a different perspective, the opposite of Steve, the initial guy. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about Zach from Australia. Hello down under. He says he's a big fan of the podcast. I love the episodes where you unpack mail from listeners. I'm a 35 year old from Australia living with my wife and cat with a personal net worth of over 500,000. My wife and I mostly keep our finances separate, but including her net worth, uh, we are over 650,000. So he's doing great. 35 years old, 650,000. I was much less than that at that age. I work remotely in IT, and my wife works as a junior doctor at a local hospital and is hoping to get into a, onto a specialty pathway. I support her entirely. I supported her entirely through medical school, so she has only a small student loan debt. She's not looking to reduce her work hours in the next six to eight years unless we have a kid, but I'm burnt out from working full-time. Very interesting. And here's where we get to the important part, and I think, Doug, you are going to be able to help Zach out with this. Uh, so Zach says he also freelances for a few clients and he'd really like to pursue that and coast until he reaches fire. I'd also like to focus on music and other hobbies right now. My personal expenses are currently around 25000 a year and I'm getting very close to fire unless we have a kid. So my question for you is, how do I build the courage to take the plunge into freelancing? And should he give up his comfortable job to be a freelancer while his wife works full time? Um, knowing she has a few years left working full-time. Very good. So as a little background, the reason why I can talk about this is I started side hustling in 2013. And I started with like affiliate marketing, niche sites, the SEO kind of route. And I never really got into freelancing so much but I worked with freelancers and, you know, side hustling and, and freelancing and some of the other things you can get into. They're all kind of related. Like many of us understand the industry pretty well. So number one, I would take the approach of treating it as something on the side. So I wouldn't quit your full-time job yet. You should probably... Um, pick up a couple contracts here and there. You can go to places like Upwork. That's, you know, one of the biggest freelance marketplaces and start poking around, take a look at some of the jobs that are listed out there. Since you're in IT, 
that's great. You should have a lot of opportunities out there and it should be less impacted from AI than some of the other jobs out there, which a lot of people do content writing as their freelance job of choice, especially if they're unskilled and the AI writers have kind of crushed that industry overall. So IT, you should be able to dabble, pick up a couple contracts, kind of figure out what you like to do and what is out there. As far as quitting, oh, well, you asked about the courage. Treat it as a little experiment. It's not, you know, taking the plunge into freelancing and quitting your job. You're just going to test it out, see if you like it. You may discover that you hate it, but my hunch is you'll really like it because you'll be able to hopefully in the future, take the jobs that you want, work on things as much as you want or as little as you want. And you have a lot more flexibility than working a full-time job. So if you want to take six months off to you know work on music, publish an album, produce, produce something like that, you can take six months off and then pick up more contracts later. So it's great that your wife works full-time. Hopefully you get benefits with that. So you'll be able to potentially, you know, when you get a certain level of income from the freelancing, you would be comfortable enough to go ahead and quit the corporate job. And then, and then you'll be free. Yeah, so I'm looking at his numbers, and he has 500000 saved up, and he says he spends 25000 a year. So per the 4% rule, he would need about uh, – he would need a little bit more because 4% of 500000 is $20,000. So he's almost there, and one interesting thing is he already freelances. So if I, if I were him, I think I would stop now. Like between the $20,000 he could withdraw per the 4% rule and the money he makes from freelance clients, I think he'd be – just fine it, it it says he they keep their finances separate but i mean if you've got a reasonable partner i think in the very uh, i don't think he's going to fail but if he did i think he'd have his his wife would probably help him out and another idea is just to try to take some kind of extended leave from work try to do a sabbatical take six months off see how this freelance thing goes and if it goes great then he just doesn't ever have to come back. So I, I think uh, he's got lots of safety nets here, and I don't think he should be fearful at all if he thinks leaving is the right decision. He even says he's burned out at his job. So I think he should take the plunge. It's uh, it's difficult to shove yourself over that edge, but I think he would end up happier and be thankful that he did. And I'm, I forgot that part that he has a few clients. So he's already testing things out. So See if you can expand the scope of work that you're doing for your existing clients. So that's number one. They already trust you. They like you. See if you can do more stuff there for them. And they may have peers that they can recommend you to work for them. So you may be able to pick up some additional clients just by asking and yeah, Carl, you're right. If he's already earning some money, if he could step it up just a little bit, maybe he'd be able to cover the difference. And then he'll, I mean, the thing is when people quit the jobs, they end up with all this extra like brain space. There's stress there, especially if you're burnt out, right? There's stress there that goes away. And then all of a sudden you're smarter. 
you sleep better, you have all this new free time. So very cool. He also asks, uh, what gauge of guitar strings do you prefer? Do you have an answer for that, Doug? Yeah, so I have a couple uh, resonators. And for those, I use resonator uh, strings. So those are 16 to like 58 or something like that. So they're uh, 16s are pretty fat, but I'm usually tuned down to open D or open G for those. And then for the standard tuning, or sometimes I'll go down to half a step, I'll use uh, 12s typically. So I think those are light gauge. And I, so those are the gauge. And I have been using um, nickel, uh, like a nickel alloy. So they're nickel typically. They are not uh, phosphor bronze, which are sort of the, the popular ones. But I don't have an electric, but I think... I would probably use nines or tens. I, I have been thinking about an electric guitar here recently too. So you you have an electric, right? Yeah, I do. What what kind of yours? It's just this old cheapo PV thing, like the amp manufacturer they used to make guitars, and uh, okay. it seems like uh, it's a quality thing. It doesn't go out of tune or anything like that. But I don't think they ever caught on with anyone. Gotcha. What what gauge strings do you use on that? Do you know? I don't know. I tend to prefer the lighter gauge strings, easier to bend and mess around with. Yeah. And then the, the resonator, it feels, the strings feel huge, but often I'm using a slide, so it doesn't matter quite, quite as much. And then tuned down, uh, it's still hard to bend. They're, they're fat strings, they're yeah. very fat strings. Yeah, so our next one is from listener Kevin. And before we get to him, him being the key word is all four of these people are dudes, which makes me a little sad, but we do have a listener from, actually she's a contributor to Buy Me A Coffee. Uh, they're going to come into the studio in early September, so it's nice to see uh, a, a female reaching out to us uh, versus just having a bunch of IT dudes. I, so the, <laughs> that'll be pretty cool having a listener in the studio to record with. Very cool. Awesome. Um, so this one is from listener Kevin. He said he's been a listener for the last year or so. He appreciates our witty banter and he loves the vibe of the show. Uh, he says he is imminently close to his fine number, one to two years away, and he wanted to share an approach that might be worth a discussion. He said he recently negotiated with his employer to shift his schedule from five days a week to three days a week. I know this pushed me out, pushed my FI date, given my savings rate dropped to single digits. Regardless, it has been life-changing as I get the sufficient pay to cover my bills, 60%, and four-day weekend every week. It also gives me the chance to start testing out retirement without going headfirst into it so I could try to figure out my fi life and build some hobbies and invest more time in relationships I've been undercommitted to. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, he says, I was with my company for 16 years and a good performer, so I felt I earned the right to ask for a reduced schedule, and I had a boss willing to try it and a policy in the company that still paid benefits with the arrangement. That's really great. I thought this approach is another option some should consider if they are nearing FI and want more time with family and friends, but not quite there, but not quite there to their number. I call it the glide path retirement for those who I am willing to share why I work three days a week. Keep up the great work, and I appreciate you giving the time to help so many people. Ooh, this is an interesting one, Doug. I'll just go first right here and say this is exactly what I did. And I've got a couple thoughts. So I did this exact same thing. I went Tuesday through Thursday. And uh, I had the idea of it. And I was terrified about asking my boss. And then my boss is like, oh, yeah, sure. You can do that. I'm like, really? You're not going to fight 
He's like, no, that sounds great. Uh, let's figure out who to give your work to that you won't be able to do anymore. So I think a lot of people are hesitant to, about asking for an arrangement like this, but especially if you're a good performer, you might be surprised how willing your employer is to accommodate you. I, I think the one issue might be there's some like 32 hour rule where you have to work four days a week to get healthcare. So that might be something that holds you back. But apparently Kevin has been able to retain his benefits even with doing this, but I completely agree with this. And the last thing I'll say about myself is what it did for me is I wanted to give Fi a test drive too. And that's why I did it. I'm like, well, I, I want to see what these four days are going to be like. I'm going to double my weekends. And plus now I have time to myself because previously my weekend time, the kids are around. So I don't really have as much time to myself as I would have versus being away from work while they're at school. So I did this and it made me realize, I'm like, man, this is a, uh, this is really good. Like, I still don't have enough time and I wanted more time, even more than I did before I did this arrangement. So it just made me lust to be done with work and uh, push my ass over the edge and made me quit altogether. So I would highly recommend this. I know a couple of people that have done, done this and sometimes I know someone who they have the 32 hours in the three days, right? So they're just like, you're going to work 32 hours like on paper in the three days. So, um, that's one approach to get down to three days. And I mean, who knows how much, I mean, if you're working remotely, who knows how much you're working, right? Unless they're watching you every second, but yeah, I think it's a great approach to test it out. Elizabeth is actually doing this now. So she went down to four days and went down to three days and it's great to have the additional free time. And it really, I think some people could deal with stopping work immediately. Not everyone can, right? Did did you have a hard time like transitioning even from the three days? Because you went, did you go to four and then three? Uh, no, I went from five to three to zero. Okay. And then just going from three to zero, did you have, or basically when you retired, right? Was that an issue? Yeah, it's pretty weird. It took me, I think it took me till just almost now, like, God, I quit in <laughs> April of 2017. And yeah, I think I finally got my bearings now and have, and I don't think everyone is, uh, my issues will take that long, but yeah, give yourself the best chance of success and having that transition is, uh, so worthwhile. Um, and wh like, why is it so hard to, to transition? I don't know, man, I, I just worked really hard at my career and I, I did feel like there were good parts about it, but I just felt like I need to be, needed to be doing shit. So we bought like another house to work on and I, I'm still not quite sure why, like, uh, it wasn't really about money cause we had enough. I, I mean, some of it was, we wanted to be in a different neighborhood and this just happened to be the house that was available and we got a good deal on it, which is not the right way to look at it, but I don't know, maybe deep down fear of just being bored. And I'm a busybody. I don't like to sit still. And that is, uh, it's probably my worst fear in life, like being bored, which is kind of a silly fear to have too, and speaks more to my issues than anyone else's. But I think it's probably an issue. It's more of an issue with FI people too, because if you accumulated a million bucks and you're like 30 years old, you probably worked pretty hard and did a lot of things right in life. And how do you just shut that down and turn it off? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And I mean, so we haven't recorded in a little while. You were sick. We talked about that um, a little while ago. 
in another episode, but have you, have you uh, found yourself less busy? Cause I know you were like, ah, oh, things are closing out. I'm closing out this project. I'm closing out that project. So is your schedule pretty open? Like, over the next two weeks or whatever. Yeah, it, it's much more open. Doug, one of the things I was going to talk to you about offline, but I'll mention here is I'm giving myself one day a week to just uh, like do some physical activity, like a hike in Rocky Mountain National Park. That's what I did this Monday. I might do it again next Monday in case you're ever interested in going. So it, it has calmed down, but it, being sick gave me anxiety too, because there were still things I wanted to do, like work on the book. And I just didn't have the energy levels to do that or like work out. Like uh, I did a lot of walking, but you just don't feel like doing 20 push-ups when you feel like crap. Yeah. Got to listen to your body. Yeah. yeah. It, but to uh, just reiterate, yes, life is calm and we're in a much better spot now. We have some house projects we have to wrap up, but uh, yeah, we're in a, I'm in a good spot now. Yeah. And the, the other thing, um, with the, with the transition and some people are like, Oh, really? I love my job. I don't know what I would do if I wasn't working. There's so many, like, I, I have like a list of things that I, sh that I could work on. And for certain people, right. You'll always have that super long list. You'll never get through it, right? Do you have a similar list where it's like a million fucking things, right? I'm just looking around in here in the studio and I'm like, yeah, there's like 10 things I should do. And it's fine if I don't do them, but it's still something that I could just stay busy, like kind of constantly. Yeah, I do have that list. I created it before I quit just because I was so worried about being bored. And I think I've crossed off like two or three things. And I, <laughs> I've added like a hundred things to it. So the thought I've had, this is actually part of the book is that if I lived to be 500 and had a great body the whole time, I wouldn't be able to get through the current list, but it would be much longer by that point. And I want to build on what you said, Doug, people worried about being bored and all that. I think if if you're that person, and I was that person too, so I'm trying not to cast judgment, but I think you need to do a little bit of work on yourself, maybe some introspection, maybe force yourself to take a sabbatical and just uh, be alone and figure out what matters. Because if you're saying that, then I think your job is uh, your job is too important to your life. I'm trying to think of so. I guess I'll back up a second. If you lose your job and you're going to feel lost in life, you're not doing it quite right. And I've got a whole chapter in the book about this, actually. You need you're to living build... a lie. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know if I put it that strong, yeah, but yeah. you need to find validation and meaningful experiences outside of your job. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is tough. You know, you hear, and actually many of our friends, right? So there's, there's some people that retire and they're like too busy, right? They, they take on too many projects to say yes to like everything that comes their way. And then there's the other group where they're like, I won't get bored. I'll play. Uh, typically it comes out in video games and they're like, yeah, I played video games for like six months and it was kind of fun for a little bit. And then I was depressed for a while and they kind of spiral out of control a little bit before they like find their bearings again. So somewhere in the middle, <laughs> like you can have some leisure activities, but I feel like, um, yeah, maybe if you're spending your time on maybe social media or video games, like those are kind of empty pursuits, I think. And it's really easy to get sucked into either one of those. Yeah. So what's your social media of choice? Like where you get 
we waste too much time? It's probably Twitter, and I, I use it to keep up with information on some of my investments and for nothing else, really. Maybe a little bit of promotion. I just tweeted about our Chris Hutchins interview that we had, which was great. But I don't get – like I don't fight with people on Facebook or anything like that. I, I go on our Facebook group to interact with people, but it's uh, I try to keep it very minimal, actually. And it's uh, – I just – Instagram's kind of cool, I guess. I don't think I'm into it like you do. Would that be yours, Doug? I know – I know you don't get into much of it at all, but I feel like you're more of an Instagram type of person. That is the one that sucks me in. I don't post too much over there, but occasionally I do. Usually it's just stupid stuff. Like I'm going to post uh, something later today, which I showed you the picture earlier. Yes. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, and I'm I'm just at Doug Cunnington, so you can find me there. We won't link up to it because I don't want to bunch of extra people but um you can't you can't check it out if you just search for it but yeah instagram the reel sucked me in and i i deleted uh tiktok like a long time ago I, t- I tested it out and then i was just like this is not positive for me at all so uh but in- instagram typically is okay but still it's just a fucking waste of time like i get virtually nothing out of it yeah, so I've got a question for you, Doug. I've looked at some of the reels and like YouTube shorts and Facebook things, and maybe this is just me, but whenever I look at them, they're like people dancing and shit. And the thought always comes to me, like, well, why does anyone, why does anyone watch that shit? So, do you get those same videos, and do you, are you entertained by them? Mine are often. I don't know why they're it's serving that to you. So, in both uh, YouTube shorts and Instagram reels, same kind of stuff. I don't know. Some of the, well, we've talked about these videos before on, on YouTube. The, a lot of guitar videos come up, but they're um, careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think she's really good guitarist, but uh, like some attractive young lady who can play like Metallica and just rip it on the guitar, and those sure. come up. And I guess I do enjoy watching those, but. Uh, yeah, I guess Facebook may, mainly is the people dancing. Like, it'll be some okay. couple on there, like, making eggs or something, and they're, like, dancing, and their fathers okay. are, like, grabbing their legs. But I don't know. The, um, no, my, like, mine are kind of random, but it's in my interest area. So, yeah, there's some guitar stuff, um, some photography stuff, a lot of cooking. So, there's a lot of, like, people just cooking something, uh, preparing, whatever, whatever it is, right? So... There's a lot of random shit, but yeah, generally what it devolves to, and I've heard this happen, like maybe you watch fitness videos too, right? Uh, Sometimes. Everything devolves to like scantily clad women, like everything, right? They serve a couple things up and I think it originates with the fitness stuff. And then next thing you know, it's like everyone's in swimsuits or something, you know? So you're, you're not alone in that. Um, Doug, maybe we should pivot. We could get some Speedos, some official Mile High Fi asparagus Speedos. Is that an asparagus in your Speedo or are you happy to see me? <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole bunch of asparagus. Yeah. So, okay. Was this a mailbag episode? What, what are you even talking about now? Uh, I think so. I guess it was. Asparagus and our know. Speedos. We talked about asparagus and Speedos, <laughs> Ken, Ken dolls, all kinds of stuff. All right. This is good. Good questions. Good. And, and I love, again, going back to um, Steve and Ryan from the beginning where it's like opposing, opposing views and both completely valid. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I appreciated uh, Steven's check on us a little bit. I think he's got a point there. Not It's not a choice either of us would choose. And I would say it's probably less than 1% of people would. I mean, the question you have to ask back up a second is like if you had, if someone gave you a hundred million bucks, would you stay at your job? And I think uh, I've met one person who said they would answer yes to it. One person in my entire life. And I guess two, including Steve, who I've never met in real life. Mm -hmm. The first guy was an anesthesiologist, but I don't think most people would uh, say yes to that. Hmm. The anesthesiologist would still do his job. Yeah, I met him at a camp fine, Florida. He was actually one of Leaf Physicians on Fire's classmates. Really? Yeah, he, he really loved it. Wow. See, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, my most favorite job. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't even imagine doing that if you had, if you didn't have to work at all. I mean, it would be hot. I would do something creative, but I can't imagine... Especially where you have to, you know, there's hospital politics and other stuff you have to deal with. Yeah. Seems crazy. I wonder why I liked it so much. Yeah, I wonder. So actually, Doug, I'm actually working on a coding project. That'll be after I finish the book. But um, I really like to code, but I'm going to do it like maybe five or 10 hours a week whenever I have time because I like that. But I've talked to people who are airline pilots and they love that too. But maybe there's a way if you really like it, you can fly on a limited basis or do like fly for a... uh, like a CEO or something where you're on call for part of the year. Maybe there's a way to the, the full time thing is what really gets to me like that time constriction, all those hours of your life gone, like 40 hours a week times 50 times 38 years, whatever that number is. It's, it's a big number. And that's a lot of time that you could have been doing something else. And uh, yeah, I, I, there's nothing that I would ever sign on for. That's that good. Like nothing, absolutely not no amount of money. All right, final final question. When you were a kid, Carl, say like under 13 or 14, something like that, what would your dream job have been? What would you have said back then? Do you yeah. have any idea? Yeah, I do know the answer to that, and I'll say it in a second. But before I do that, I want to – we have our new feature where we're asking the readers a question, and they can respond on our Facebook group. on our YouTube channel or send us an email. We'll put links to all of those in the show notes if you don't have them already. But the question is, uh, if you had, if I were to give you $10 million tomorrow, would you stay at your job? And if you would, tell us about your job. Why is it so good that you would stay there? But yeah, that job, actually, I, I wanted to be a pilot. And the reason I never pursued it is, and I know that this isn't true. I've since discovered, but like you can learn how to fly through a, a university and there's ways to do it, but I thought the only way to do it was through the military. And at that time, this has since changed. Our friend Stephen, you've talked to him before, right? Have you talked to Stephen H? Okay. Anyway, he's a United Airlines pilot, and he went to the Air Force Academy. And you don't have to do that to learn how to fly in the military. But what I thought when I was a kid is, and I think it was a requirement that you had to have 20-20 vision, and I didn't. So I'm like, okay, I, I can't do this. And maybe I did know about the private stuff like Emory Riddle, but it costs a lot of money if you're going to learn how to fly privately and we had no money to pay for school but that was always my dream to be a pilot and to this day i think that'd be pretty awesome um do you think being a pilot would be awesome and the follow-up what is your job what would mm. you, what did you want to do when you were that age yeah pilot would be probably pretty good i think there's some there's some good pros and actually one of our our friends up in montana He's about our age and he, he wanted to fly for many years, but 
when he was a kid, someone said, oh, you have to be good at math for that. And he wasn't good at math. So he was like, oh, I can't be a pilot. Kind of like what you said, right? Yeah. Like you just, you, you heard something, it stuck with you for a long time because you were an impressionable, impressionable, like under 10 year old kid, right? Anyway, he was like, I'm going to do it. And he took a bunch of private lessons and he could fly solo. So like he posts all these cool pictures. Like he recently flew over Yellowstone, which wow. is crazy. So you can see like green prismatic and like, you know, there's a lot of open space and like cool mountains and cool shit in Montana. So a lot of his trips are, are just, you know, he'll rent the plane, zip over whatever, a few hundred miles and hang out for a minute and fly back. Pretty crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. So for me, I, you know, I don't fucking know. I think um, when you ask a question, you should be prepared to answer the question, especially in the podcast. I really don't know. My dad was a firefighter, right? So that's kind of cool. But I don't know that I was ever like, I want to be a firefighter. And then when I got a little bit older, maybe in like middle school, when I was like better at math, they're like, oh, you should be an engineer. So I think like, even when I was fairly young, people were like, you're good at math. You should be an engineer. So I never really had any uh, good like dreams of a cool job or anything like that. At least that I can remember. Huh. Pretty boring. Huh? I'm like, oh, I want to be a fucking engineer. And then I never even did any engineering. <laughs> what a loser. It happens. <sighs> yeah. So, okay. I think that's it. I will say. If I, if you gave me 10 million bucks, I would stop all the stuff that I'm working on. I'd still do the podcast. This is pretty fun. What about you? Would you still do it if you had hundred million? Yeah. Well, I kind of think I have a hundred million now because if I had a hundred million, I don't think I'd change anything about my life. So I'm kind of there now and I'm still doing the podcast. So here we are. All right. For the love of God, if you had a hundred million, would you get a Tesla finally? <laughs> I, I'm going to order one after January 1st, which is uh, a whole nother thing. Right, right. Okay. You heard it here. He's going to get one in January. Yep. Okay. Cool. Anything else, Carl? No, that's it. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.
Doug, do we have a question for our sound check? Yeah, so the uh, the movies have been uh, all the rage here recently. And you were telling me that you saw Barbie? I did. I've seen it twice, actually. Okay. Was this on your radar for a while? I know there was a lot of like media hype and all that, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I was curious about it. And our friend JT, who's been on the podcast before, I'll put a link to him, was in town. So I'm like, hey, JT, you want to go see Barbie? Like my younger kid. And Mindy, you want to see it too? So we all went and saw it. Oh, cool. Yeah. And why twice? Uh, my older daughter was in Costa Rica at the time, and she wanted to see it too. So I'm like, hey, if you want to go see it, I'll go see it again. Let's uh, let's do it. Okay. For a second, I thought it was just you and JT. You were <laughs> like, hey, hey, JT, you want to go to the movies? He's like, cool. Is it Oppenheimer? And you're like, no, it's Barbie. It's just me and you, bro. But yeah. you brought the whole family. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole family. JT and I did wear pink, though. My kid put a pink scarf around me, and JT had a uh, pink cowboy hat. Okay. Do you have pink clothing otherwise? I don't think I do. I don't think I have anything in pink except an old FinCon shirt that was black that had pink lettering on it. Okay. Do you feel like it's a gap in your wardrobe or you're getting by? I don't know. I don't think I like to wear white to keep cool in the summer and black in the winter. I don't think, and I like the uh, synthetic materials that that wick the wicking materials and i don't think costco has any uh of that of those shirts in pink so it's not so much that i don't like the color it's just that uh i can't get a, a cheap shirt at costco that's that color do you do you think i should wear pink doug or what's your opinion sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> give it a shot i don't know you're asking the wrong guy yeah, I don't know. I think like some colors like can work better for us, but I don't know what they are for me. I don't know what they are for you, but yeah, give it a shot. I think I have like one pink shirt. There, there's like some pink trim on there. It's like a button up shirt. I haven't worn it in like eight years or something. Okay. Maybe for a future show. I know uh, somehow Elon Musk got into, um, got sucked into some Barbie thing and wearing pink. And I think his comment was he would rather be dead than wear anything pink. So Elon Musk, not a fan. Okay. But, I wouldn't but, take fashion advice from him either. But um, Or any advice. <laughs> so one quick thing, since people are, this is the sound check, right, Carl? Yes. Okay. So since you are listening to the sound check here, I'll let everyone in on a little secret. So Carl, you did a kick-ass job on the notes here. Oh, thank you, Doug. I fucked this up though. This is the sound check. And I actually went right into our banter options. So I messed up. So that's why like we were both confused at the beginning of the sound check is because I jumped ahead by accident. I don't know why I just saw it written in front of me. Oh, okay. So that's what yeah. happened there. I was wondering why you gave the signal to start the show. Okay. And yeah, but you're kind of right too. Cause we not, we don't always do a sound check when we do a second show. This is our second recording today. So, okay, we're both we're both at fault, Doug. I'll, I'll take uh, 48% of the fault. You have 52. <laughs> no, no, it's not it's not your fault at all. Not not your fault at all. Because we were, we were going, people like the sound check. And the, the thing is, it's been like about a month since we recorded, maybe even a little bit more than that. So I'm off my game a little bit. And like I said, I just jumped ahead. So we'll... Um, We'll pretend like this didn't happen, and now we have to come up with a new banter section at the beginning. Yeah. So, it'll be okay. Real quick, Doug, do you have any interest in seeing the Barbie movie? Or? Maybe. I mean, you saw it. Other people have. I 
it really wasn't on my radar. I just saw like some previews here and there and eventually I'll probably see it, but I, I don't know when things, when things are overhyped, I'm skeptical. Have I told you this before? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if everyone's talking about it, I'm like, what, like, why did this get over marketed and why is everybody like falling for it? Yeah. Are they just liking it because everyone else likes it? Yeah. Kind of like Taylor Swift, although I think Taylor Swift is good. But. Right. And and oftentimes, I mean, I could, uh, sometimes I'm just wrong, but I'm like, I'm cautious if, if the, if media has picked up on something, I know that people are out there behind the scenes, like pushing it to the media outlets. Yeah. So I'm like, why is this happening? That seems weird to me. Okay. I'm, it's like a conspiracy theory. I don't know. What do you, am I crazy for thinking that? No, I think you're right. If you follow the crowd, you're going to be led astray uh, a lot of the time. Uh, so I don't think you're that crazy at all. But I think you should see Barbie. I actually think it was worth it. And there's some very humorous parts. I, I have one more follow-up for you, Doug. And I didn't know this. I'm not a huge Barbie fan. But there are other male dolls like uh, Michael Sarah, remember him from mm-hmm. Arrested Development? Oh, yeah. He plays a character in there and he's good. Oh, like nice. he always plays kind of the same guy, but uh, he's really good in there. And there was a a sugar daddy, Ken. Like for, for real, this thing existed, which is pretty funny. So, so Doug, my question for you is if you, if Mattel came to you and said, we want to make a Doug Ken doll, Doug the doll, what would your doll look like? Well, like what would you be wearing? Would it be a cowboy outfit? Like adventure? Would you have like your wicking pants on or what would it be? <laughs> uh, this is a great question. Yeah. I think, um, for a little while I got into just wearing mostly the same stuff all the time. I think it was like after we moved and I trimmed down my, my vast wardrobe quite a bit and I got a bunch of V-neck black t-shirts that were very comfortable and I would wear, I don't know, um, jeans or khaki type, uh, clothes, not, not wicking, not hiking stuff. It was a little bit nicer than that, but not much. So I think it would be, uh, it would be that, uh, bald, you know, very, very shiny slick head, you know, just like the real thing. I don't think they've had a bald Ken or bald male doll. So that would be great. It'd be a departure for him, but, um, baldness is kind of cool now. So I think they should do it. It's always been cool. You know, just everyone caught up. I think one other thing, you, you you know what? I'm going to save it for our banter. I have another idea for the doll, but I think we're going to talk about something related. So we'll come back to it. So if people are still listening at this point, they'll have already heard it. But yeah. At some point, our uh, our sound checks are going to be like longer than the show. It's just like we talk and talk and talk, especially if we edit down all the BS that we, we talk about in the show. Yeah. 